Warning. This podcast may contain mature language, so if you're not comfortable with that, earmuffs. And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grandland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. What a great day here in the New York studio. Uh, it's hot outside, but it's pleasantly temperate in yeah, here. It's pretty nice. Where I am joined by a fantastic writer and director whose new film, Sleeping with Other People, is in theater September 11th. Leslie Headland, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I'm a big fan. Thank uh, you. We, I thought we had a lot to talk about, and then you arrived and said we have about five hours worth of material. Yeah, we, we're going to go for a long time. So people should dig in. Like, yeah. should, should they get snacks? <laughs> I think you guys should get snacks. Yeah. I think you should put on a comfy outfit yeah. or just one of those blankets you oh. know, that you can wrap yourself in. Like a slanket? A slanket or mm. a snuggie. Mm. Um, get one of those. And I would just like... You know, feel free to let your significant other know that, that they be... can come and go, you know, as they please. Uh, sure. <laughs> like, but you're not going to move no. until we're done talking. Yeah. And forget yeah. about the pause button. Yeah. You I'm not sure why I keep looking at the camera. It's like, well, can I do that? Yeah, can I look at the camera? Sure. Okay. If you have a particularly strong point to make, <laughs> you can address, you can address, you can break the fourth wall. Um, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Well, I, I want to talk about the movie first before we get into the New yes. York real estate and the other things we, yeah, the other we, things we pre-gamed. We, we really need to discuss. Yeah. Um, Sleeping with Other People, I thought it is a terrific movie. I loved it. Thank you. Uh, it's out September 11th. Um, I want to talk about it specifically, but first I want to know how you are, because the movie is coming out next week. We're recording this the week before. Yes, the yes, yes, out. yes. What is yeah. the mindset of a writer-director oh, 10 days out? Like, yeah, are that's you a really good question. Excited? Thank you. That's the only good one you're going to get, <laughs> so savor it. No, it's a good question. Nobody ever asks me that, and I'll answer it truthfully. I mean, it's like, it's weird. It's like, um, you know, I just saw... Um, my friend's uh, sister-in-law. I was out with friends over the weekend um, in their place in Connecticut, and his sister-in-law is like a week out from giving birth. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and 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 I felt like her vibe was so similar to mine. Of just like <laughs> right. it's coming. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like it's hot and it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> like she, this is her second. You oh. know, and she's just like it's coming. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like you know, like it's like. It's like you're prepared for it and right. you know what's going to happen and you sort of know the vibe of it. But then there's also this feeling of like, why did I do this again? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what did I do? Why did I, con- why did I convince all these very nice people yeah. to make this movie with me? You know, and, and, and now we're going to go through this like sort of like gross, I mean, giving birth. I, I haven't done it, but I'm assuming it's pretty sh- shitty. It's gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I, Are you married? I've been in the room, yeah. Yeah, you've been there. It's yeah. pretty gnarly, right? I mean, it's the miracle of birth. It's you know wonderful. what I mean? It's a miracle. It's 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 creation. And yet... That said, and I think there's probably an analogy to be made between our relationship here, considering you are the creative person who made the movie, and yes. I'm just critiquing yes. it and talking to you about it. Yes. I took on a similar role in the birthing suite. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. make... I didn't... I mean, I contributed yeah. early on. Yeah, very but, early but on. I played, yeah. A, I played a supporting role. You know, I set up... <laughs> I set up with some questions. You know, I made sure that you know there were there were beverages available. Oh my God, you're so cute. It's yes, not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get into the business end. Yeah, it's a little bit like you know you you're you're in your feet are up in the air mm-hmm. and everybody's sort of watching it. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? They like are. they're sort of looking at you like this. Yeah. And there's you're some, exposed is what you're and you're saying. exposed. Yeah. And there's some professionals. <laughs> you know what I mean? There who are going like it's coming. It's yeah. coming. We see it. Yeah. We see it. Not that you needed someone to tell you that. Yeah, and I'm like, I know, it's coming, it's happening, yes, yeah. yes, yes, you know, and then it comes out, Yeah. and everyone goes, tells you whether it's a boy or a girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Other things happen after Success that. or failure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry to burst your bubble here. You know, more. it's like, 
You know, you're either going to have to deal with this or this. You know, and then and then there is that just feeling of like sort of grossness. You know what I mean? Like this sort of gross feeling that I have after a movie comes out of like, like, like I just sort of let everybody know what was going on with me in a very large public way. Yes. And then they sort of all approached it the way that they should as like, okay, that's a thing I'm consuming or that a thing that I'm appreciating. Yeah. You know, but it's a sort of a lonely, weird, weird place to be, you know. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because you wrote and directed Bachelorette, another movie that I really enjoyed. Oh, thank Um, you. And I'm glad that you're, maybe I'm wrong about this, but the feeling that, oh my God, I can't believe I I convinced all these people to do this with me. (laughs) I'm glad this is happening this week as opposed to at any point in the last two years when you were actually... (laughs) Is that that like... Is that actually accurate? Yes. Is there part of you that just whether it's confidence or momentum that pushes you through? Because all all writers have those doubts. Oh, absolutely. And and there definitely, you know, there was... There were a couple days on on shooting, you know, when we had like a bunch of locations in one day or we had... Um, like just a big thing that needed to happen, yeah. like a big stunt or a big or a hard or a hard scene or right. or something like that. And it's like, you know, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say like there was a part of me that was like, whew, it's my fault. You know, like <laughs> it's like it's my fault that we're all here, yeah. you know, and it's really hot and sweaty. And you know what I mean? Like and and and, and we're running out of time because and, sometimes writers can be like, don't blame me. That director screwed. It yeah, up. this guy screwed. It. That's but. the thing. It's like it's like a little odd to be the person that came up with the whole thing, you yeah. know, like and, and that everyone. And then I think there is this feeling when the film comes out, you know, of people, the spectators, you know, whether they're fans or critics or whatever, sort of going like, well, did you are you allowed to have done this? Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like who, who gave you the keys to the car? Kind of who thing? gave you the keys to the car? Like, was this worth everything that you did? You know, and you're sort right. of like, yeah. I mean, you're like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I just got sort of knocked up by the idea. You know what I mean? Like, I can't really. We're say, gonna ride this pregnancy metaphor. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep going for as long as we possibly can. You know, but it. But yeah, it just. It's a weird time. It's weird. I am excited. Like, I guess I shouldn't be too pessimistic. I mean, like, I I, I like Allie and Jason a lot, so yeah. I love doing press with them. So we should say, for people who haven't seen the movie Who haven't yet, seen the film yet, Alice yeah. Alison Brie. I'm not allowed to call her Allie, but you can. Oh, yes, uh, Alison Brie. However, Jay Sudeikis, that's what I call Jay Sudeikis. Her. Uh, they are the stars of the film. And how would you describe it? I've seen it described in a number of different ways. I mean, it's it's a romantic comedy. That yes, is, it is. Uh, it comes at it from a slightly sideways angle. A little sideways angle, yeah. It's funny. It's like, yeah, it's a romantic comedy about, um, you know, people who are sexually dysfunctional, I think is probably yeah. the best way to put it. And it sort of treats that sexual dysfunction the way that a romantic comedy would treat it. You right. know, like, so it's like a, so Jason plays a, a womanizer and Allie plays a serial cheater. And then they meet cute at a sex addicts meeting. <laughs> yeah. And then they sort of, you know, attempt to reform their ways through a platonic friendship or, uh, yeah. you know, like a, an emotional intimacy rather than a physical intimacy. And, uh, you know, hilarity and hijinks ensue, you know, like as, as most romantic comedies do. But it's, I think it's different because it's, um, it's coming at the genre and the story in a way like sort of knowing that love doesn't exist this way. Do you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, it's like it's coming from it knowing that the audience already knows everything uh, about romantic comedies and has their own ideas about love yes. and all that kind of stuff. But so. one of the things that I appreciated so much about the movie is that it, to my mind anyway, embraced that um, oh, good. unreality. I, I mean – it yes. is a romantic movie. It yeah. is also a comedy movie. Yeah. And I never felt at any point that it was in quotes, which I really appreciated. And That's hard, yeah. It's really hard. It's very hard to not, not to do that. You know, like there's a there's I think there's a lot of um uh 
you know, uh, viewers now, I think, really put a lot of um, they put a lot of uh, what's the word um, emphasis mm-hmm. on like the reality of something. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's like if 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 and especially the, in filmmaking, the way that the filmmaking has sort of moved to that. Cassavetes, or as I like, somebody described it as Slackavetes, you know, oh, that's good, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really good. But like that sort of, you know, we're going to throw a camera on our back and, and we're just going to make it real, guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, I think if anything, you know, the age of reality television has taught the viewer that that's not real. Like, just because something's shot a certain way yes. doesn't mean that it's real, yes. you know, like. And, and it's certainly not necessarily better either. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that. Modern audiences, especially audiences that are going to watch a, a romance, yes. are very attuned to what is authentic yeah. and what's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that they go that you know, like I, I, you know, and so I think the film is full of moments that are authentic. Yes, and then I think there are also moments that are sw- sort of sweepingly cinematic and romantic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for for lack of a better word, but. that that the, the plausibility wars, and I say this from a critical perspective kills me because it's sort of the death of art often. Oh, I totally agree. And as a writer of, of yeah. any kind, I mean, there, there, is an, there is an art to writing and you want things to be heightened. Otherwise, it's Absolutely. dull and there's no yeah. poetry and what are you making a movie about? And so that, that, that having to walk that line, and I yeah. don't know who makes you do it, whether you're just, you know, intuiting audience tendencies it's or it's coming from studio notes or whatever, but yes, walking that yeah. line must be both challenging and often frustrating. Well, we made this film independently, actually, okay. which was sort of nice because yeah. it, it looks like a studio film. It's very similar to Bachelorette where, yeah. it, like, I – see, I was brought up on, like, Harvey Weinstein and Quentin Tarantino and, like, these old – you know, like, and Steven Soderbergh and the, the sort of 90s mentality and, you know, mm-hmm. P.T. Anderson, Wes, Wes Anderson. Like, I, I was sort of brought up on the 90s mentality of filmmaking, which was make something from nothing, make it look big. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then, and then sell it once you've already made what you want to make. And sell it once you've already made what you want to make. And so I did that with both of my last two films. And I think both of them – I don't think people realize that, like, you know, how indie they actually were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that they, that they were both shot in under 25 days and that they – were, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, like they, both of them were. You know, like I mean, Bachelorette I think was like twenty two days or twenty one days or something. I, I like could that. almost believe that more because Bachelorette is more limited in terms of its setting. Right. Exactly. Right. It, yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah. Set in one like, night and in you one don't place. really have a lot of like establishing shots. Like right. it's a lot of like we're right here, we're right You're here. Not you wrangling know, the whole city of New York as you <laughs> exactly are as we are in this film. You know what I mean? Like so. Um, and the real trouble with this one was that it was you know forty five locations in that amount of time, or yeah. forty locations in that amount of time. You know, it was a lot of a lot of moves. Wow. You know, so. So that's where I came from, was that I was like, I had been brought up on that, and I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. You know, when I get my chance, you know, as most budding filmmakers think, yeah, you know, like course. you think, you think I, when I get my chance, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's what I sort of thought. But the reality is, is that it's, it's that indies more and more have, have sort of slid back into, you know, this. And, and honestly, the, the mid-budget level movie doesn't happen anymore. Right. So, yeah. So it's, a, so it's not like, you know, um, I, like, for example, I just did this. I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I'm making my point. That's fine. Okay, no, good. No, no, whatever <laughs> but, we put in your mug is working. Okay, great. <laughs> but um, I just taught this, um, this writing workshop here in New York at Primary Stages. And one of the, the um, students asked me, you know, uh, this was so helpful, but, like, I feel like you were sort of, um, sort of talking more studio mentality than indie mentality. Like, do you think that you'll do another workshop that's more indie? In terms of and your screenwriting? In, in, terms of- in terms of, like, screenwriting and, and pitching and how yeah. to get a movie made and all this stuff. And I was like, well, it's all sort of indie. Like, unless you're making Spider-Man, like, it's all sort of indie. Like, it's there isn't, there isn't a world, there isn't a guy out there yeah. 
who you can go to and say, all right, I want to make a movie about the porn industry in the 70s and it's going to star Marky Mark from the fun- Funky Bunch and Burt fucking Reynolds. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like no one is going to make, like, no matter how talented you are, yeah. no one is going to make that movie for, you know, $15 million or however much PT made it for. No, but stars or uh, Sundance exactly. or whatever will buy it. And- they will buy it and they will put it and they will put it up for you. And if you can put it together on your own time, then uh, not own time, but if you can find independent financiers that will give you enough money yes. to make it, you know, not a horrible experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this must be so boring. No, or maybe I, is this interesting? Like the I'm, film nerds. <laughs> I'm interested in it. My name's on the podcast. So I think we're okay, good. good. <laughs> but I, I think that is particularly interesting. The idea of indie doesn't exist anymore. We ha- we just have alternative and alternative cinema. Not yes. meaning like yes. Not meaning like oh you know worlds we've never seen before. Literally meaning the only alternative to Amazing Spider Man. Part to Fury Road. Yes, like that, and I think it. also they that that the audiences they're 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 attuned to a certain thing. Like they go, I, I've noticed both. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, promoting both of these films. Uh-huh. You know, it's very interesting that I go. Why do we have to? You know, like uh, sleeping with other people played. You know, fifteen festivals, right. major festivals like you know uh, Tribeca, mm-hmm. Nantucket. Um, Deville, uh, is it Deauville or Deville in France? Anyway, I can't pronounce any of it because I'm American, but I, <laughs> I'm a white, I'm a white chick, and um, but yeah, but you know, it played a bunch of you know festivals, and and yeah. um, and I was sort of like, why doesn't it have the the uh, the laurels on on our our marketing materials? You know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah. and they were like, oh well, it makes it feel indie. And I was like, but it is an indie. Like, we did make it for a, a, a price and for a small amount, you know, like, I mean, even my friend uh, who's shooting his indie now has 30 days to shoot the film in, you know, like, and he, yeah. was, he was shocked when I told him how fast we had done Swap, you know, like, so, it, you know, I, it's, it's in this weird in-between. I find myself to be in this very interesting in-between Swap is sleeping with other people. Oh, yeah, Swap. Yeah, that's what I call it. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. Um, that's like my pet name for no, it. No, that's good. Swap. Um. But yeah, it's like it's an interesting place to be as a filmmaker. And to go back to your original sort of point, in case you want to cut out all the nerdy stuff, like you know, my heroes are like you know um, Billy Wilder, Robert Zemeckis, um, but then also Kubrick and 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 Polanski, and and like you know, Frantic is one of my favorite movies. I just watched it again recently, and um, you know, it it's I'm I am a showman. Like I really like the idea of like yeah. putting on a show and and putting on magic tricks, like the sex scenes in the film, which I'm I'm sure you want to talk about because I want to talk about them. That's but um, <laughs> but um, you know, of course, it's like it, it, the idea wasn't um, Blue Valentine or Don't Look Now or or these films that that really you know sort of realistically showed sex. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to do the magic trick of like you know they're not having sex because they're actors. Like, you know that. But then at the same time, yeah. you feel like they had sex. It's exciting. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's yeah. exciting. And and so, um, you know, Kubrick said to Nicholson when they were making The Shining, which is up on my top five, like, you know, uh, you know, Jack was like, you know, I just don't feel like this is really believable, you know? And he was like, or this isn't very realistic, you know? And yeah. he said, and Kubrick very famously said, um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, but, you know, realistic isn't interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, it just, yeah. it, to me, it's just not interesting. Like, I don't, it, it, it's a style that I can look at Cassavetes and love, but it's not what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like, yes. he's a bad example because he's a genius. But, like, I would say that, like, the Slackavetes, you know, like, the, what you see sort of come out of festivals every year. Yes. And I go to see them. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I really, I, I'm just sort of into making the apartment or making Working Girl or making, like, these sort of bigger sort of showier movies what? and I have to make them on this budget because that's sort of where we are you know yeah. like in, in the world so I, I'm not really an indie filmmaker so I don't really have like indie filmmaker <laughs> you know I, I do a little bit but like I'm not really in that community and I'm certainly not in the studio community either so um, 
it is kind of an odd thing to promote a movie that is sort of not either. Do you know what I mean? Like between, the, yeah. that, that's in between worlds, you know? I, I like that you mentioned Billy Wilder because I would use his him as an example of the, the truism that I think all good comedies are romantic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, some of his movies had romance in them. But, Agreed, but yeah. But you sort of are falling in love with the world. You yes. want to be there, and it, and, it, and it fills you up in the same way you're talking about how the sex scenes aren't necessarily, like, you know, verite and intense. Yes. But they are transporting. Right, yes. And and, and that is something that is, is – well, that's – swap, if I may – is shot through with that. Yeah. And – well, well, okay, so we'll take that point, and here's what I'm going to add to it. You know, I think a lot of the reviews of, of things that you've written tend to have a word like scabrous. Yes, you know, yes, or, yes, or yes. Harsh yeah. or harsh or yeah. even – Or like one... stiletto sharp wit. Stiletto it's sharp. Also, there's always like some sort of like, you know, breaks a nail in the final act or something. Or like breaks a heel yeah, or something. You know what I mean? Like it's always something like feminized. Something catty. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't, you, you can't make a movie like this, or I would even argue Bachelorette, without – having love for the scenarios, having some oh, totally. love for the characters. Oh, I completely could. I couldn't agree more. I love the Bachelorette girls. Yeah. Like, I really was surprised at their sort of, quote-unquote, unlikability. And it's funny, even just three years later, I, I feel like that film, I doubt people, if they watched it today, yeah. without sort of the, you know, the, well, I don't know how you would call it, like the cultural conversation of, yeah. of women being unlikable like I I wonder if I wonder if yeah. they would watch it if, if like a new audience member would watch it today and really even find them unlikable well, do you know what I mean like I would I would sort of challenge you know at least a, at least a younger woman like I don't know or a younger right. or a younger generation that's possible but I, but I was thinking about it again because the, the women in that movie and you mentioned them they're played so well by by Rella Wilson and Isla Fisher yeah. and, and Lizzie Kaplan and yeah. uh, and Kirsten Dunst do some horrendous things to each other. <laughs> they behave in very over-the-top ways. That are, um, but that felt refreshing and true in a way that I don't – I have not quite seen echoed in a lot of mainstream comedies yet. And, and right. the example I would use is um, – so there's the remake of National Lampoon's Vacation that came out this summer. And, yes, which I have not seen. Okay, and I – so no spoilers. They no go, spoilers. They, they go on a trip. <laughs> Doesn't totally work out for them. Um, I – I didn't hate it as much as most people did. I, in fact, enjoyed good swaths of it. But yes. one thing that the movie was sort of hung on was the idea that, and I appreciated it for what it was, Christina Applegate plays the mom, and in this movie, the mom gets to drink too much and barf everywhere. Oh, nice. That's a spoiler. Nice. But I feel like I love that my reaction was nice. Like, oh, nice. wonderful. <laughs> Put in your day planner to go see it. No, but my, my, my point is we seem to be okay with, we fictional, you know, straw man America seem to be okay yes. with women doing that now women can do the gross out comedies and mainstream stuff and yes in which bridesmaids is, yeah you know, which is a big i was gonna exactly what i was gonna say yeah a big um, thank you to bridesmaids for have, that. Uh, yeah. have diary in the middle of a crowded <laughs> milwaukee street yes however that's different than the emotional yeah. violence yeah that doesn't make you feel safe you yeah know? and i think that 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 might be the barrier still and so i appreciate that you, I agree. you ignore that you don't worry about I don't like I yeah and it's certainly not you know I'm certainly not trying to be provocative I mean you know I certainly don't hate people you know I actually really love my characters a lot yeah. you know like and so I really appreciate you saying that but I think you're right I think it's actually sort of the last frontier is a little bit more of um what are women allowed to do and not do yeah and then also what's funny you know what I mean? Like, I mean, is, uh, I, you know, is Bachelorette funny? Like, you know, like, is yes. Wolf of Wall Street funny? Like, is, you know. Three quarters of it. You know, like, yeah, right. I mean, is, um, I'm trying to think of another film that's sort of in that, 
you know, vein of like, um, you know, I mean, is King of Comedy funny? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I mean, there are laugh out loud moments of that movie, but you certainly don't, um, you know, go, you know, I want to be any of these people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, and I think that there's something going on there with, and why the whole, you know, are women funny? Can be women be portrayed as unlike unlikable? Um, what I think is funny is that, like, I actually think it has more to do with sort of less to do with Hollywood, honestly, and more to do with like sort of a rampant, like, um, you know, sort of sixth wave feminism, you know, kind of thing of like that that all sort of representations of fe- females needs to be aspirational in some way. And, right. and if you are going to make them, quote unquote, gross, then they need to be gross in a male way. They can't be gross in a way that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, for yeah. example, when I first turned in the first draft of Sleeping With Other People to my producer, um, what, or, excuse me, one of the producers on the film, um, Jessica Elbaum loved it immediately and, and supported it and, and helped me get the mm-hmm. cast attached and the money for it and all that kind of stuff. She also did Bachelorette. But I sent it to um, – uh, after I sent it to her, I sent it to someone else um, at Sydney Kimmel, Matt Berenson, and he said, you know, I'm just – he was like, I'm not giving a note, but I am surprised that Lainey isn't sort of a promiscuous um, sort of – sleeping with a lot of men and that that's her problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. and that, and that he sort of cures her of that promiscuity, basically the same way that he is. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, Oh, I just don't think that that's that interesting. Like, like that's not a real problem. Quote unquote. If she like, was, if she was sleeping around a lot. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Like which, to which me, like, you know, gross out humor and, and just sort of female promiscuity for promiscuity's sake, like as being the, problem with the characters yeah. i think is sort of a made-up problem do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like being upset that someone else is getting married who you feel doesn't deserve it mm-hmm. is something that i think is a lot more of a female experience in the world that deserves to be lampooned yes do you know what i mean like it's like um being obsessed with a man who does not love you is a experience that i as a, a distinctly female experience that deserves to be lampooned. Right. Do you know what I mean? The like, character of Lainey believes on a very profound level that she that this is a requited love that she's had for many years with a character played by Adam Scott, right? Yes, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Despite yeah. his terrible behavior Horrible. towards her. I mean like literally this really bad. Really bad. Let like, alone the mustache. But yeah, I mean, let but alone the, the mustache, but it's like on top of that. On top of the mustache. <laughs> even worse than the mustache. But there is this belief she has that this can be fixed yes. somehow. That this can be overcome. This is yes. just one more, one small hurdle. Yes. And that is, you know, and, and so I guess my point, and that sort of folds into my point, I think, which is that the feminists, just as much as any misogynists, are sort of going uh, – that's what I think sort of the problem is, is that they sort of almost agree on the fact uh. that only certain amount – you know, certain – you know, if I'm a real feminist, then I wouldn't show women being shitty. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, because because women – you know, like – and I'm like, no, I think women being benign is actually a lot more uh, um, unfortunate, you know, than, yes. than women who – are sharp, have sharp edges or are human or make mistakes or fall in love with the wrong people or get jealous over the wrong things or, you know, so on and so forth, you know. And who are messy in a day-to-day way as opposed to in a wedding dress in the middle of the street. Exactly. Way. Which is, there's nothing wrong with. I mean, no, you know, funny. honestly, that's funny. You know, like the sweetest thing is funny. Like, like Bridesmaids is funny. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, the heat is incredible. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how well that movie did, but I just watched it recently. It, did well. it was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I was just, like, out of my mind. Like, I was just laughing. I really hadn't actually laughed genuinely <laughs> in so long that I was, like, so grateful. You know, and so Paul Feig, you know, like, you know, for me, 
you know, whether it's female created or not, if it's female centric, then it's good. It's a good time. Do yeah. you know what I mean? For me, it's like it's good stuff to have out there. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, you know, whether the, the female characters skew male or skew female, it doesn't really matter. But I found that, like, you know, just I can only sort of speak from my experience as a, as a filmmaker. And, you know, when I test both these films, the number one people that don't like it are women over 40. Like women between forty and, and and fifty five are, are the women that are the are the people that vehemently do not like it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think it's because they feel like, but we fought for all this stuff. Like, why? Like, it's one thing to like make a joke. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and have them poop or you know whatever. I mean, I don't want to rag on that too much, but you know, but it's quite another thing for women to behaving to be behaving in ways that debase themselves. That mm-hmm. um, that they're seeking out a depravity. You know, that they want to be. Uh, superficial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that they embrace their superficiality. They want those kinds of things. Like, but those are the only stories that I feel are interesting. That's the problem I think I find myself in as an artist is that yes. I'm like, that's actually the most interesting thing to me is the, is, is the emotional violence and the, and the, um, well, yeah. for as much as you are then asked and interrogated about these issues, you have your, your number one loyalty is to your, your muse and to your art and to your writing. I mean, you, you, it's the, it's the enemy of the writing. If you start thinking about how it's going to be represented or being received by that's my 45 year yeah. plus women, you know, in a certain screen, you can't do that. And if that gets in your head, then the worst going to be bad. That's, right? that's that. That's how I feel, you yeah. know, like, and I think it's, you know, I mean, it's funny because this film, you know, when we, when we tested it and, and it tested really well and, you know, like, and we, um, you know, as we sort of moved along with how we were going to, you know, it's so funny because it were, you know, it tested so well with men. Men were just like, we love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it was really, like I said, it. younger women really liked it a lot too. But um, really that age range, which are really like ticket buyers, by yes. the way, <laughs> like a lot of the ticket yeah. buyers, you know, like really felt uncomfortable with, huh. with, you know, talking about the vagina, like talking about the dirty DJ, the fact that the sex scenes were the, so graphic, the, even though there's no the nudity in them. The dirty DJ being a uh, patented uh, <laughs> sex move that Jason Sudeikis' character demonstrates, dare I yeah. say, lustily. Lustily. On a, yeah. uh, on a wide mouth uh, juice bottle <laughs> to uh It's a real thing. <laughs> that, was, that, was pure, that was research? That was... Yeah, so uh, the dirty DJ is a real thing that my... Uh, it was christened by a friend of mine. I, I stole it from her. She's not a writer, so I yeah. feel okay stealing it from her. But yeah. I described uh, a, a sexual partner that I had, and I said, well, he did this thing. And she said, yeah. oh, yeah, the, the dirty DJ. It's a thing. And I was like, what did you just say? I was like, what did, this was like years ago. I mean, this was probably like three or four your, years your, ago. Uh, years ago. And I was like, dear Lord. Ta- yeah, I was like, note for later. <laughs> yeah. But also the way that I write, you know, and I, and I also want to say like in, in conjunction with sort of, you know, all of these, these thoughts that I have about women in film, you know, the way that women are or are – are uh, represented in film, like what I'm interested in, what I'm not interested in. You know, I also just want to say that, like, you know, so much of this creative process for me is is the opposite of sort of the the myth of the filmmaker, like mm-hmm. of somebody that's like, oh, I have all this, like, you know, I have all this control and I have all these ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and and I need to, and I'm the puppet master mm-hmm. of this whole. I'm pulling the strings of this mm-hmm. whole thing. Like, um, I use the analogy of making a film as like you know swimming the 500 or something you know what i mean like you just you're not thinking about really the end uh, me i don't think about the end product until you know i i'm i come up you know after the race is over and i and i go 
what, what's my time? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what was it? You know, and they're what like, I it's a romantic it. comedy. And I was like, great. Okay, it's cool. <laughs> like, like, it's like, you and, know what and I mean? Like, shape. Then and then, form. and then, and then you actually make the movie in the edit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, but I think that actually making the film, like, like, like the Dirty DJ, the sex scenes were storyboarded. And I think for my next film, I'll probably try to do a little bit more storyboarding because yeah. I, hopefully I'll have a little bit more money and more days to shoot and stuff like that. But, um, but a lot of the times, like, you know, it, it does sort of come out of a, you know, I put in Dirty DJ <laughs> as I'm writing and I go, yeah. we'll change that later. Like in my head, I'm like, we'll change that later. There's no way Dirty DJ is going to end up in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, this and then, is the placeholder and you got to keep moving. And then we just got to keep moving and we got to keep going. And then, you know, and then I have rehearsal with Jason and Jason's like Dirty DJ and goes past it, doesn't say anything about it. And I'm like, okay. You know, and then I have a, a rehearsal with him and Allie and they start doing it and he starts doing the thing. And I'm like, you know, he's doing like a little bit of improv and I'm like, oh, this actually... No, it works. It works. And then you're, and then, you're screen testing the bottles and you're and trying you're, to get the right exactly. one. Exactly. No, I really, I was like, so which one do you think? We had like five. <laughs> what, who, what was the bottle? <laughs> what, 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 I don't know. We we tried to get, I think it was a like, I wish we could, I, I'll ask Chris Majors who did the, who's the prop master for our film. Do you, do you want to stop the podcast and find out? Because and I, I think I should probably one. find out now because like, <laughs> it, because it, uh, we wanted it to be yeah. Snapple. Like we asked them uh-huh. and they were, <laughs> said absolutely <laughs> You can't blame them. I can't blame them. And you could make the argument, well, this is a pleasure-based scene. You know, yes, but, it's only good connotations. But it means every time you go, yeah, and you, I mean, literally, like mm-hmm. every time you go into the Trader Joe's or the, you know, like the grocery store, you're yeah. going to see. I mean, even now, I get texts from my friends who have seen the film, and they're like, "I can't be in this aisle without." <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's, it's one twelfth yeah. of the grocery store is now out of. Balance. And if I'm if I'm turning on people in the grocery store, then I I feel like I've done my job that's as a re- filmmaker. That's right? your goal. <laughs> Much more than making people laugh no. or making a good movie. Yeah. Mostly, I just want people to feel uncomfortable in their day-to-day. <laughs> you just want to you creep know? people out. <laughs> I want to creep people out. It, it was interesting to hear you talk about, even from the beginning of our conversation, mentioning um, you know directors like Kubrick and things, because I wasn't sure if you came at filmmaking purely from a writer's perspective and then you had the best take on your own material or right. if you came at it from a directorial standpoint. Yes, and yeah. one of the reasons why I, I was interested in that is I think that, again, fully this is fully stereotypical. No, please, uh, thinking, yeah. But... Writers, and I would put myself in this category, fall in love with their own writing yes. and want to protect it at all times. <laughs> yeah. And generally, the, you know, the, the legendary dynamic on the film set is, you know, the writer's yes, like, oh, yeah. don't, don't ruin that. Oh, it's perfect yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, but a director, I think most really successful directors sort of have to fall in love not with the words but with the actors and with oh, the performances. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Absolutely true. Yeah. And I and I, I felt, again, having watched your movie, you clearly fell for these guys. And I even love them. Yeah. At the, at the end of the movie, please stick around when you see it because – and you should see it. Because when the credits roll, there's this amazing uh, oh, Jason yes. and uh, and Andrea uh, – Jason Mantzoukas and Andrea Savage uh, yes, have this yeah. incredible, I assume, mostly ad-libbed. All, or... That's all ad-libbed, Yeah, and actually. that's why it's at the end of the movie. Yeah, and that's why it's at the end of the movie. But <laughs> yeah. they're just so wonderful to watch, and your yes. camera can't look away, and it's so sweet, and it's funny. It's all the things that the movie itself is. Yeah. So, so clearly you are able to bridge this divide, this yeah. legendary divide. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. No, it, it comes through in this film. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as a film nerd myself, and, you know, before I even, you know, I came out of the assistant world you know working for harvey weinstein yeah. at miramax and the weinstein company and and i worked for a couple other people that are now like you know like john gordon who's nominated for an oscar for uh american hustle and mm-hmm. and and worse david russell and um you know so it's like you know but all you know and goodwill hunting and you know what i mean like it's like these people are you know they i got to see it sort of up close but i also you know blogged a lot this is back when we didn't have twitter <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, back when things were pure. When things were really pure, guys. Yeah. Like, and it was just Blogspot. <laughs> These kids don't know. You got to tell. No, they them. don't know. Like, don't and know. it's always like you know, it's like not quite live journal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't quite that, but it was like you know. Um, but I did write reviews, you know, and I I wrote, you know, I would go and see everything every weekend. I would see everything. I would just spend all day at the New Beverly for second run stuff, or, um, you know, um. You know, and then I would sit down and watch like a whole director and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I, I actually ascribe to the same thing that you do, which is that there are either directors who sometimes write, yes. you know what I mean? Like, and they're sort of going like, you know, probably collaborative both with the, with the actors yeah. as well as the writer. And that can be contentious or not. Um, there are, are writers who direct, you know, which I would put e- e- even wonderfully visual artists like um, even like but Wes Anderson and PT Anderson I would say are those kinds of guys you know what I mean like they really did I mean now they're much older and they've made a dozen films yeah. so they really but when you watch Hard Eight and Bottle Rocket and and I mean you know these are writers that's right you yeah. know who who are in love with their actors and yeah. collaborate with the same people over and over again and are inspired by them and so on and so well, forth and they can sort of do that bridge that divide like you said I think what helped me was that I actually studied directing like i actually started with directing theater that was where i started before everything and so and i also had to take acting classes at tish when you know so i actually came from that place first and then started writing in order to direct but i actually think i'm a better writer to be honest (laughs) like i actually think i excelled at that a little bit more even though i'm a very good director and i i pride myself on being a very good director um and so i think that 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 my skills as a director actually sort of outweigh any like preciousness I would have about my writing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yes. and any of my sort of writing outweigh my preciousness as a director. Like I just sort of happen to come out, come up through theater, come up, but also be like this big film nerd. So it's like the sort of that Venn diagram of where I exist. I, I would put something else know? on there too, which you're alluding to, which is that you worked in the industry from oh, a yes. perspective where you saw how the sausage was made yeah. and that can churn the preciousness right out of you. Which I tell every budding writer or filmmaker to do. Which is That's work. my first thing. Get like, in. you know, Wes Craven, who just passed away, God bless him. Yeah. Um, he said, you know, on his Twitter, Twitter feed like a couple weeks ago, take the first job you get offered in the industry. Don't worry about what it is. Yeah. Just take the first job you get. Interesting. And, um, and my advice is, you know, oh, you want to be a filmmaker, work for a producer. Like work for a producer for like six months to a year. Don't spend too long there because you can get sucked in. Yeah. And you can sort of become not what you want to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you are going to have to like, you know, eat shit and become a, a, a filmmaker at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and you're gonna have to like fail miserably while you're doing it. But um but working for working for yeah, th- I, I just think it's so important. Because you're as a writer too, you just go like the fact that anything gets on screen is a miracle. Yeah, you know, how like does that happen. <laughs> I just write these words and then suddenly there's Yeah. yeah there's a lot of steps. And you see there. how long it takes to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like seeing, you know, the reader, for example, is the movie that I use as an example all the time. You know, like I would read that, you know, or, or there was another movie, too, that just came out that was like on my desk as an assistant as 10 years ago. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like and to, to great acclaim. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like to, to, I just can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But but the reader is one that I, I use as an example, which, you know, like or just like the movie, you know, like one Winslet her Oscar, like yep. Harvey Shepard did to become what it was, you know, and that was like in development like it just went on and I every day there was like a fucking email about the reader and I was like this movie's never getting made right. like in my head I was like this movie's and, never getting made and you could take the point of view of and I don't know anything about the person who actually wrote the first draft of the oh, right. Who knows? Yeah, but that person's point of view of it is probably like 
you know, furious. Like oh, yes. I wrote this beautiful thing, and then it got wadded up, stuck in someone's pocket, and transformed over the years. Absolutely. But if you look at it in terms of what is the goal, is the goal right. to get it made in the best possible way it can be made, which is right. not going to be perfect. Right. Then the Harvey Weinstein, I'm going to you know roll up my sleeves and I will carry this over the finish line. Yeah. This might take ten years. Yeah. Um, we I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast on this, and maybe we oh should. gosh, maybe we but, should. Yeah. But you work for Harvey Weinstein. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Let's talk and about it. Are you still on good terms with him? this? Is, we this, are because this is a you know a he, he has quite a reputation. Oh yes, outsized reputation. Very big and deservedly and, and deservedly so. And you've written about being an assistant. And yes, you've I have. The play. Yeah. You was a, there was a pilot as well. That, yeah, oh yes, with Kristen, with Kristen and, and and Molina. Kristen yeah, Ritter. Um, yeah, that didn't go. That didn't go. I was very angry about that. Yeah, it was really a bummer too because it was very good. I read the script. They, it was very good. Yeah, they were a bit allergic. They still are. And, and NBC a bit allergic to work, workplace com- well oh. comedy in general actually <laughs> but workplace comedies in spe- yeah. specifically I think I think Modern Family freaked everybody out I think it just made everyone go like this is the only viable way to make a comedy now is to like a, to make something broad is to make something well broad but also it has to be a family if yes. it's not two and a half men it's Big Bang Theory and they're sort of a family because they're all together right. like it's like everyone sort of like you know every because everyone sort of lost their minds I think yes. they forgot that like so much of comedy from day one the sitcom if it wasn't taking place in the home, it was taking place at the office. Because that's your other home. Because that's your other home. It, all, all sitcoms, successful sitcoms, are family sitcoms. Exactly. Not yeah. always by blood. But I think they just got a little reductive, to be honest. Yes. You know, like they got a little reductive. And I like, you know, they they treated me real well. Like no, I didn't have like a horrible note session. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it was actually a really great experience. Yeah. They just they just don't want that type of comedy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, like for a while like, they didn't want any type. And well, yeah. That. <laughs> There's so also that. Very, that's very the, frustrating. That's what I'm realizing now is yeah. that I'm like, oh, Heroes is on Thursday night? <laughs> but it's also like, right, it's also like we have a, there was this weird disconnect, right, where the industry was moving in one direction and they were still stayed big network. And the, it's idea, hard. That, the idea that we have something that yeah. we recognize, that we are respected for, and that not many people may watch, but enough people love. Yeah. That, and maybe it's true that that is not monetizable in the same way that other things are. And NBC's business model is not Netflix's. Right, but right, But at the right, same time, right. they were like, well, okay, we have 30 Rock, Parks and Recreation, The Office and Community in a two-hour block. Yeah. Let's destroy that. Like, let's just make sure that never happens. No, let's yeah. do whatever we can <laughs> to just throw this. Oh, in the I love community too. Oh my god, I, I can no talk sense. all about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but wait. So Harvey, and I also brought that. Up. Oh yeah. Oh Harvey, I didn't mean to just change the no. subject. So Harvey, um, yeah, no, we're still on good terms. I mean, you know, Harvey is definitely like my estranged dad that I absolutely love, and yeah. he loves me. You know, like, but we're also like very wary of each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, he's like, I'm very proud of you. You know what I mean? Like with the emails, you know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. Thanks, Dad. You know, like, it's like, you know, it really, that's the best way I can think to describe it. It's like not contentious, but it's not, you know, but I think that, I think that especially, um, I mean, I think the truth is, and I think he always knew this about me, was that I really loved him. Like, and I don't think that someone who's that powerful and that intense, like, can really accept, um, Adoration, like the kind of adoration that I gave him. Unless it's coming from Kevin Smith. Like, unless it's coming from, yeah, exactly. It's like, Harvey's like has a big, like, divide between talent and people that work for him. And so I've now been in both of them. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, so he's a little bit like, I think he's just, he's wonderful to me. And he, and I think he will continue to be a big part of my career and and my life as an artist. Because literally, but, but I think that what sort of made him uncomfortable was that. You know, when I was, when Pulp Fiction came out, which was like 94, so I was about 13 years old, I didn't see it in the theater because I was definitely not allowed to leave the house on my own at that point because (laughs) that's a whole other story about my upbringing. But um, one of the things that I would do, this is really depressing, is that I would look through the the movie 
advertisements in the Washington Post. We lived in Maryland, uh-huh. and I would imagine what the movies were like. You know, wow. like I would like what look is at your them. version of Pulp Fiction. You know, so Pulp Fiction. But here's the interesting you thing didn't about imagine Pulp the Fiction. Gimp, I imagine. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. When I finally saw it, it was a big letdown. I'll tell you, <laughs> <laughs> it was not what was in my head. But I. I looked at it and it, I didn't know, it, unlike the other posters, which were like, it's this thing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like like with Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, it was like, it's this thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. You know? Right. You didn't know what Pulp Fiction it was, it was. It was a vibe. It was a vibe. And so I actually thought as a 13-year-old, I swear to God, I didn't think like I want to be Tarantino or I want to be like Uma Thurman. I thought, I want to know who the guy is who's making me want to watch this movie. Whoa. Do you know what I mean? I was like, who's that guy? Like, there must be a person that had that idea. That's do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a job. And, like, maybe I want to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so then it just became a little bit of a joke. Like, when I was at Tisch, every I sort of knew I would always be a creative type. You know what I mean? Like, because I just, as you can tell, <laughs> I have that sort of messy vibe. You Devil know? may care. But it became a joke where people would say, like, who do you want to be when you grow up? And people would be like, you know, Meryl Streep, or I want to be Kubrick, or I want to be... Wes Anderson and I would say I want to be Harvey Weinstein. You know, like that would be the. Yeah. You know, and everyone would sort of go, you know, this bitch is crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this bitch is going to ruin my movie. He's going to ruin it. She's like, what is she doing? You know, yeah. like and um, and so by the time I'm working for Harvey, so fast forward like ten years, and I'm working for Harvey personally, and you know, and he's yelling at me, <laughs> like as he does to what? everybody. You know, he's just like, I don't even know what it was about. That's you know off, what I mean? That's like it was like brand for him. Yeah. It's so it's so it was so unlike him. I was worried. Um, but yeah, he was yelling at me about something that I'm sure I I fucked up. By the way, like yeah. I was a horrible assistant. Let's see. No, we're good. <laughs> I was a horrible assistant, but. Uh, not horrible, but like, you know, I just, I probably forgot to do something. And, and, and he said, why are you even working here? Yeah. You know, he was like, you're a, you're a creative person. Like why are you, he knew I was a writer and he yeah. was like, why are you even fucking working here? Like you're yeah. wasting my time. Like, what are you doing? And I said, I, sw- I shit you not. I said, because you're my hero. And there was just like this dead silence <laughs> on the other side, uh, dead silence. And he was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> get me so-and-so click you know like it just like he couldn't he was just like this girl is so all nerve endings yeah. and feelings and like there's no room for that there's just like he was just like what are you doing you know what i mean i like so now the times that i've seen him since then you know the feeling the vibe that i get from him is very like this is what you should have been doing like the whole time like yeah. is something like this like okay. it's like like you know you're an incredible writer you're an incredible director like but like even talent aside, I think he was just like, just your, like, you know, your, your mentality is yeah. so much more this side of things, you know? So it's like, you know, but again, it's like, what a great calling card. I mean, it's basically like, you know, saying you went to Harvard or something like in the industry, like That's one of the Knox first, University. yeah, one of the first, uh, you know, one of the first jobs, the first job I ever got writing for Terriers, I think I solely got because... I think I have the same taste in movies as Ted Griffin. I think yeah. I think that was that. And uh, I think Sean Ryan was impressed that I had worked for Harvey. Like, I think and he survived. was just, And survived. I think he was like, we're going to get Harvey stories. You know, like, it's like, you know, I think he was just, I think it, I think it really had this big impact of people going, oh, I think she can do whatever it is that, and by the way, it's true. I know you want to ask me a question, but I just no, want to no. say that making a movie is not scary after you've worked for Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Nothing is ever scary again. Every person that I've ever met, like yeah. any big studio head, I am like, it's nothing. It's Teddy nobody. Bear. 
teddy bear compared to wow. compared to dad. You know, like it's like you know, it's totally fine. So I, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not I, at uh, all. That's fascinating. But that's I, my Harvey life. I, I want to. I was actually saving this for the end, but we can do a quick detour to it now, which is the fact that you. As you just mentioned, you worked on one of my favorite television shows in the last 20 years. Right. Yes. Yes. I love so Terriers so much. What is going on? Why can't Netflix like pull it together? Can like, we, what's the deal? So <laughs> like, I say this to everyone so much that my editors make fun of me. When people are you ask like what, the they, should, what they should be watching, <laughs> I, will, I will shoehorn it into any column I write, into anything. It's available on Netflix, a one-season FX show that was my platonic ideal of a TV show. Yeah. and No, I mean, like, but Netflix should do another season I agree. Of it. I agree. It'd be so amazing. All, you know all, why? Although it ended after one year in perfect fashion. So in, that's the other thing I Perfectly. Told. Perfectly. People very much are like, oh, I don't want to fi- I don't know if I should invest in something that ends ambiguously. And I'm no, like, no, no. It's good, it's though. It's a perfect ending. Yeah, it's a perfect ending. And I think that, I think that, um, the, 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 my feeling with Terriers always, uh, in, or not always, but in hindsight, yes. has been that it fell in this really weird place of distribution. Like it yeah. was right before Netflix and streaming and Hulu. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like if it had, if, if we had had that, if it had come out now, it would be Breaking Bad. Like it would be it, so huge. It because also w- it would have come out at a time when John Landgraf at FX, who I have, I've, on this podcast, castigated him for canceling Terriers. I love Landgraf, but it sucks that he canceled the Me show. too, and he admitted it. He actually was like Mia Culpa on that. I mean, I but love Landgraf, though. Like, he is... He's an amazing Have you ever guy. had him on the show? Yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. He and I he actually he's... knows how to give a note. Everyone was like, how do you give notes? Yes. Like, my, my assistant, who I'm grooming to be... You know, I'm not grooming. I shouldn't say that. That makes me sound like I'm a fucking asshole. But, or, or Westminster Dog Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm grooming Natalie. <laughs> but Natalie wants to be a producer, yeah. you know, and she taught... You know, she asks about everything she's like how do you give notes you know and yeah. i'm like god i wish i could just sit you in a room with Lan- john landgraf yes for like an hour just oh. to see it because it's unbelievable he's given me notes on my reviews which are not always appreciated but <laughs> he did not. yes he has but there are other people like when i talk to the guys who make the americans they're like we look forward to talking to him on the phone i fucking because- love the americans bs oh good yeah that's well so no wonder we get along Amer- that's my favorite show on tv that's my favorite show on tv too so we have to do an americans podcast though? i would love to do an Amer- i'm serious okay. i would love to do an americans podcast i I'm obsessed with that show. Me too. If, if anybody's watching, I really am dying to direct an episode of that show. But I don't know if they – I guess I'm sort of a comedy person, so maybe they don't think of me for that. But I love that show so much. Let's it's make dreams happen on this podcast. Let's <laughs> make that happen. It's filling such a void for me oh, without me with, with, with no Breaking Bad or Terriers or it's, like – It's the best show currently on TV. I totally agree. But I only wanted to say about Terriers that if it was out now in this time when Langraf is at the forefront of being like, well, ratings – are useless. Right, Typical right, ratings right, are useless. Right. Here's what is of value. So I just need to ask you, for people who haven't seen it, you, you're please. Doing, please watch it. Because Go see it. What I love in stories are, I mean, I love people who are competent. I love yeah. heist things. Oh. I love friendship, like the who friendship doesn't? on the show. I like the I like the sense of place. It was set in, you know, south of San Diego in a beach town. I like know. people bumming around. But what I truly loved about it, and I think about this often, is that they're it's okay. It's not as hard as people think to make a fine TV show. Right. But if you right. think about TV shows as like a vessel and when you discover only when you get out in the ocean what they can support. Yeah. And there's a moment in like episode four or five when all of a sudden the show veers into tragedy. Yeah. And there's a sadness. Yeah. And all of a sudden I watched that show before I was even writing about TV thinking, I bet the moment in the room when they broke this episode, they yeah. were like, oh my God, we have a live one here. Yeah. Because this show can do everything now. Yeah. And now we can write to it. So I wanted to ask you specifically about being in a room of a show like that. Is there a moment where you're like, look what we can do here? You know, that's a good question. I have to say that 
for me, like every moment was like that yeah. because I had. It was all good experience. I, honestly, I had never been on a show before. Like yeah. I'm sort of the wrong person. Like you need to get like Ted or Tim on yeah. here. But like I just every moment was like magical to me. Wow. Like I was just like, this is amazing. We're, <laughs> we're breaking stories. Like I didn't yeah. know anything about writing. I didn't know anything about writing on television. You know, I mean, I remember when Ted called me to tell me he'd get like that he was giving me the job. Yeah. I was so I was living on a couch. I had taken a bus to go to the thing. I was just like. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, I've never written on TV before. Oh, you said that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and he was like, me neither. You know, and I was just like, it was just like, like, and that's sort of the vibe yeah. of the rest of the show was yeah. like, there was never this feeling of like, little staff writers don't know what they're, you know what I mean? It yeah. was so, you were so in that world. Like, there were so many different levels of why that show was brilliant um, for on my, my yes. side of it. Narratively, creatively, of course it is. Everyone should watch it. Netflix should do another season of it. If Landgraf doesn't, but whatever. I'm trying not to get. I, I want. I want Landgraf just to love me. Yeah. You know. So I don't want to be like do. a dick. But yeah. like, come on, Landgraf. But I know. Have you seen the for stream? Me, like, on, like if you think about like the levels that were going on in that show. I mean, Tim Minear is like the sole reason I know how to like write normally like like as a person you know what i mean like tim was so hard on me in like such a beautifully loving way where it's like i would pitch something and he'd be like no you know what i mean like and, was, yeah. and i was like uh oh okay like so no that's a no I, that's just you know and and it's like the best you could get from him was like i don't hate it you know like, and wow. it was like Oh my God, Tim doesn't hate it. You know what I mean? Like he was such a, he was like yeah. a, I say this before too, like he was like a general that you wanted to run into battle for. Yeah. Like you wanted to like. And that's what TV writing can be. Yeah. And you were just like, you wanted to break the story. You wow. wanted to like get, you know, get your storyline in there. Like I had no, you know, here I am a little fucking idiot who doesn't know anything. I've never been in a writer's room before. And I'm going on about Katie. This is really the, honestly, like I'm like, I was like a roadie for the you know velvet underground or something like i'm really not the person that had okay. anything to do with t- terriers oh. i just got to be there and so i'm happy to tell you about how amazing okay. it was because sean ryan also sean was like so about um writer like empowering writers yes. like even us as, as staff writers he was like you're gonna be on set you're gonna be seeing how people you know like like you need to be your own producer writers should not be going in there just going yes. like oh i guess i wrote it do you yeah. know what i mean like it was like no you're gonna be on set you're gonna learn how to produce you're gonna be involved with the actors you're gonna go to tone meetings you're gonna talk to the directors you're gonna like like Here, he, here's this big machine and you need to know and how you're to gonna work it. and you're you need to know how to work it and like yeah we'll put some floaties on you but we are throwing you on the deep, deep end like you are not you know you are not gonna be mm-hmm. some cute little staff writer who's like <laughs> You know, relying on her good looks to, like, just get on season two. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get fucking in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, do it. And, um, you know, so, like, these guys – not to mention, and then my director was Ryan Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, Ryan Johnson directed the ep- my first episode. I mean, literally, I, I he walked into the hotel, and I was like, hi, John Ryan. You know, like, I was, like, so – to this day, I still treat Ryan that way. I'm like, hi, Ryan. Um, Hey, it's Leslie. I'm writer of the show. I didn't really um, – do you want to, like, eat something? Like, you know, like, I was like, do you want some gum? You know, and he's like, hey, Leslie. You know, like, the most chill motherfucker I've ever seen in my life, that guy. I'm pretty he's sure he like, would say that episode is what got him Star Wars, right? Like, there's definitely a Oh, yeah, there's line. definitely – there's a straight line between mm-hmm. that and that. But, wait, there was one last thing that I was going to say about it, which um, – oh, the only thing that I really felt like I, I did – sort of contribute to that show like you know like that i got that Mm -hmm. that that i felt in the mix with yeah um 
I mean, we all were, but it was like an, you know, like it was like a living organism. Like it wasn't something you can be like, oh, is this person's idea or this person's idea? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then of course Ted's sort of overseeing the whole thing, and it's his baby, and it's his mind, and it's like yeah. we're all just trying to be him and 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 in his mindset and um, write the way he writes. Like right. that's the other thing too. You're trying to like get inside that mindset and understand that person, and you know, um, and not just. Not just his characters, you know, like, but like just the way that he approaches storytelling, which yeah. is n- like, which is where I think I actually got a little bit of my like, this is fun, but then we're also going to be darker. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't think I have to choose between one or the other. Yeah, because you've had and, a model, you know, because that's the, that's how Terriers is. It's how Matchstick Man is. How Oceans is. Like, yep. you just, it's like there's, it's a, it's a, it's a shit, it's a brick shit house. Like, it works a hundred percent. It's funny, you know, it's clever, and then it's like punctuated by realness like there's just like some like you said that real sadness that gets hit in there yeah you know like and um so to me it was like oh there's nothing wrong with that you can do both like you can be funny and really sad yeah you know like and you can be vulnerable and you can also have like a tough exterior of being like really clever and awesome yeah um but i did fight for katie's storyline i fought for that it's a very important character yeah i really fought for that i really wanted to dirty her up and i'm not going to spoil anything you know but that that was i just kept saying like you know and just speaking from my personal experience and you know my own dating experience and just saying like i think something needs to happen like yeah. i think something needs to happen that makes her and Britt and and everybody just sort of question what they're doing you yeah. know like and um and, and the actor can play it that's the other thing and she oh so laura funny. allen is ridiculous yeah She's ridiculous. John Watts just worked with her on Clown, and we were talking about how good she is. I mean, I know that's like a little movie, but he's making yeah. Star- Spider-Man, Spider-Man now, Man, so I yeah. feel like now I feel like it's cool to know John. Yeah, now it's okay. I've known John for like 15 name. years. Like, you know, it's like I've never dropped his name. Now I'm going to start dropping it all the time. All the time. That's It'll open a idiot. lot of doors. <laughs> um, so again, so okay, so the Americans podcast we're going to do separately. Terriers yes. podcast we'll do separately. Yes. I, I did want to bring it back to this one idea that I had that I, I worry we covered it a little bit in terms of what you were saying about, um, you know, female representations of comedy on the screen. But the yes, one thing yes, that yes. I've taken away from both your movies that I enjoyed so much seeing is that you've worked with these incredible act- actresses. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Alison Brie, we've seen her. She's able to do anything. She's incredible on Mad Men. She's incredible in Community. Yeah. Um, I've been a huge Kirsten Dunst fan for a long time. The best. Um, Lizzie yeah. Kaplan is incredible and, yeah. and also a veteran of this podcast. Oh, um, yeah? But, yes, a few years ago. But nice. sh- here's the thing about all of them. When they were in your movies, they seemed so radiant and ravenous oh. to have this kind of material. Thank you. And, well, and I mean it as a, as a compliment to your yeah. writing. But also I'm curious in general about when you spoke to them about the opportunity to play these parts, these yes. full-blooded 360-degree parts. Yeah. Because I think, you know, thanks to Masters of Sex, Lizzie's getting all this great attention and she's getting nominated finally. for Emmys. Yeah, she finally. she is terrific in yeah. it. Yeah. But even though the character is a sex researcher, the part is by definition a little more buttoned up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you because know? of the time period. Because of the time period, because and of all these other things. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 and all that stuff, yeah. And obviously no one no – one, it's hard to imagine a character less buttoned up than the character she played in Bachelorette. Yeah, oh, yeah. So these are extremes <laughs> we're talking about. Yes. But when you talk to them about you know where they are in their career and the opportunities you're giving them, what what is that conversation like? How excited are they to, to tackle these parts? Uh, they're very excited. I, you know, I – and I think I said this a little bit when I was doing press for Bachelorette, but it's absolutely true. Like when, when I met with Kirsten about Bachelorette, you know, we had our little, hi, hello. You know, we met at like a a restaurant. Hi, hello. You know, like, I'm I'm Leslie Kirsten, you know, like have trouble getting here, like a little small talk, sat Mm -hmm, down, mm -hmm. order drinks, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And then the first thing out of her mouth was, I love her. And, and every actress that I had met with for this part had said, uh, not that there were so many, but like, yeah. you know, like, it's like, you know, like, like I had never met anyone that liked her. 
Interesting. It, it, like everyone was like, well, she's really complicated and like blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and Kirsten was like, oh, I love her. So glad I'm not playing one of those other bitches. <laughs> and I was like, I'm in love with you. Like, yeah. I, I was just so taken with her. Like, yeah. I, I just, so part of it is just the, like you said, like the ravenousness, the ravenousness. The appetite. Let's just make it smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just make it smaller. Um, the appetite of it. Yeah. And I think that um, I, uh, the way that I work, um, and I've always worked this way because even when I was writing plays, I was working with a, an, a, an actor-driven company called Diam, a theater company in Los Angeles. And um, uh, I always come from a place of like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know this is what I wrote, but like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what version of this do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't know, you know, like, and it's sort of like they find it like, you know, if it's in a play, they might find it in blocking and yeah. rehearsal, like the physicality will come out. Yeah. Tracy Chimo, who played the role off Broadway, yeah. you know, really sort of found that 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 sort of prowling physicality of Regan, whereas like Kirsten really played her a lot more rigid and sort of walking like yeah. this and uptight. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's like you I really want to get in there with them. And Jason, too. You know, I wrote this film uh in part to exercise some demons and <laughs> get through some stuff. But uh, I did write the part of Jake with the specific hope that Jason would play it. Interesting. You know, like, because I thought, you know, I feel like that guy should play this kind of guy as opposed to the guys that he's playing. Yes. You know, like, and I felt like that once Kirsten attached herself to the film, I rewrote the ending for her. Huh. And and I thought, I think that this is what sort of serves her after a long conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Jason. Do you know what I mean? Like, I usually sit down with the actors. We talk for, like, two, three, sometimes five or six hours. Mm-hmm. We just we, – sometimes we go through the whole script. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just, like, hang out. But we have this, like, initial meeting that's sort of like, um, what are we going to do? You know, like, like yeah. I know this is what we have, but, like, what are we going to do? Yeah, what like, are we really going to do? What are we really going to do? Yeah. Like, what are we going to get into? And then I find – and the reason I do that, I think, is, one, I come from theater, and a lot of my plays were written specifically for actors yeah. that I knew were in this company. Right. But also, I think a lot of it comes from knowing that I'm only going to have 25 days to shoot and, and that I really – we need to be on the same page so severely yeah. that when we start – that once we're on set, I'm like, remember that thing that we talked about mm-hmm. with, um, you know, uh, uh, Mike Nichols and the Dustin Hoffman thing when he's looking at that stuff? Right. Yeah, yeah. Do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, you know, like, it's like, or, you know, like that part in Jaws where he's doing this you, thing. That's the going, shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you want to have this very quick way of um, being able to speak with them so that they can sort of play the version of the character they want to play. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that goes back a little bit to what I was saying that I don't really see a director as this like puppet master that's like pulling all the strings. It's like I see it a little bit more as like someone that's like you know in the pool with everybody. Mm-hmm. And or or maybe if you really want to you know give me a lot of credit, <laughs> like maybe the the prism through which light goes through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and so it's like yes, I change stuff and or like I say yes, do that thing or don't do that thing. You're, you're harnessing others' light. That's really what it feels like. That is very new agey, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's a new agey, but I feel like, I mean, it feels that way, mm. though. Like, especially Adam's performance in this movie, too. Like, Yeah, because Adam, Adam Scott plays a, it's a completely unrecognizable, unrecognizable performance from him. Basically, and he was based, that was based on, like, a real guy, you know, like, that, you know, didn't look anything like that. Yeah. But, but, I, but just somebody that I was like, 
you are horrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, you are really unhappy. Yeah. You know, like, and you hate yourself. And it's leaching like, out of you. And it's like, and you're just infecting everybody around uh-huh. you with like, I mean, it was a guy that I, I'd had this like sort of brief thing with. And I, I sort of thought to myself, I was like, as I was writing the movie, I was like, I wonder if he ever said anything nice to me. Like, I was like trying <laughs> Wow. I was like, I wonder if he ever paid me a compliment. I don't think he did. You know what I mean? I was just like, I was just like, some people are just so, and somebody like Adam, who is nothing like that in yeah. real life, in real life, very open, very friendly, yeah. obviously very funny on everything he does. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, we came in, we had one of those meetings, you know, a couple hours, whatever he could spare, because he was doing a bunch of other stuff. He got it right away. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get who this guy is. And then by the time we're on set, we're really not talking that much. Yeah. Like, you know. I don't really, like, and my direction is like very small Mm -hmm. it's very it's just very uh it's um succinct Mm -hmm. you know like uh you know the scene where he is hearing i'm not gonna spoil it but he's sort of hearing jake say her name for the first time saying elaine you know like which is the you know sort of you know penultimate moment of the movie you know you know he's adam's not really looking at anything in that shot you know what i mean like he's just looking at a point on the Mm -hmm. wall and you know, he sort of looked at me like, do you want to tell me something? You know, he doesn't really talk a lot. He was just sort of looked at me and I was like, I was like, she's just gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's she's gone, you know, and whatever that meant to him, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was this really beautiful, emotive, you know, emotional performance. Like, and, and it was just like, oh God, how do you know that? Like, how yeah. do you how do you access, access that? And if I'd gotten in there and talked as much as I'm talking now, you know, like, or if I'd, you know, if I try to like make it a certain way or like make sure the, the tear fell over here, yeah. it's like. I don't know. It's like, I just want to like empower people to do what they want to do anyway. You know what I mean? And I feel like an actor doesn't take a role unless they want to do it. Yeah. You know, I guess there are sometimes I've run into people where I'm like, do you even want to be here? Like, you know, like, I've definitely had some That's time. few and far between. Yeah, but it's few and far between. Most of them are very excited. And they're also, I have to say, very excited to be directed because directing mm. is such an invisible art that a yeah. lot of times, you know, directors on big budget movies or on episodes of television or whatever, like there's sort of these people with like hats. Yeah. Like they got a hat and they were like. They're directing traffic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just sort of like, I just want to make sure that like nobody, fall, nothing falls on anyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not refracting light. They're not refracting light so uh, that rainbows <laughs> of creativity could come th- I, I hope that we can have many more opportunities to talk about these rainbows I hope of so creativity. Too. I'm sorry uh, that I got really geeky there at the end. No, it got new agey and beautiful and oh, okay, inspirational. Oh. <laughs> it's one or the other. Oh, I think I'm so it was the glad. latter. No, uh, and I'm glad we got to talk about Terriers too because I knew I think I knew that about you that you were that I, you were I, a fan. I, I may have come in a little hot on Twitter at you about no, Terriers. No, I love once. it. I love it. Like, I love it. No, he like it's it, it, please come in hot. I mean, it's just like I said, I do feel a little bit like you know, a roadie for the Velvet Underground, though. I didn't really have that much to do with it. But, but, the, like, but you were there. But I was there. And those albums are going to continue yeah, to be Yeah, those albums are a big and... deal. And, and I learned a lot. And it, it definitely influenced yeah. how I work now, you know. So, you know. And like, then when you get the job in the Americans, we'll talk about that. Oh, my um, God. Please. This is like the secret of this podcast. You put it into the universe. Oh, please. I hope so. Because it is such a good show. So good. Um, I love it. But you know what else is good? Sleeping with other Sleeping people. With other yeah. people. Oh, I'm supposed to say it, but yeah, it's a great movie. September 11th in theaters. Jason Sudeikis, Alison Brie. It's really funny. I oh, hope people go you. see it. And thank I you, so Leslie, too. so much for coming to talk to me. Thanks, Andy. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, thank we'll you so much. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.